for joining me here on Talks News. We are unfair. We are biased. We are unbalanced. We are completely and utterly toxic. We know. We know. What you're hearing now, caressing and seducing your eardrums with sweet pleasures of wonder, is the psychonauts of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. The song we called The That's off of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards album. Polygon Wan Land. Oof. Polygon Polygon Wanda Land. Oof. That one's a hard one to say. Uh, I believe it came out 2017. And uh, as far as I remember, it was a free album of free use. But I'm sure uh, I won't. Uh, it's somehow gonna block my video on YouTube or some shit. In certain cities or something, but to be perfectly honest with you, I remember them when they dropped it. They said it was free of use, but I think since it's on Spotify, it gets flagged down pretty easily. Um, I don't think YouTube will have much of a problem with it. We'll see, though. Uh, Twitch will instantly just mute your shit. They don't care. Uh, but thank you for joining me, uh, whether it's uh, on YouTube for the video or it's uh, here on your favorite podcast streaming app. I hope it's Anchor, because that means you be making podcasts, too. But we have a program for you tonight where we are going to start with Prager. Some call it Poo. Prager Poo. Yes. Uh, they have a new video called Police Go Where the Crime Is. I cannot wait to hear why that would be. Then we will have Unreal with Ben Shapiro about Trump supporter killed by an alleged Antifa member in Portland should be a real uh, zinger of a segment certainly not worried about any fascist apologensia uh, and then finally to wrap up the lovely evening that I have planned for us we have Joe Biden's speech today in Pittsburgh um I don't think there's been really much of a speech. I, I feel like Biden has just not um, campaigned. So I am here to hear what he has to say, finally. And uh, I, I hope he has a good job at, you know, moving the, the discussion of the protests in a positive direction that will help the development of... Uh, I don't know, bringing communities back together. Um, I'm not sure that's solvable right now with with, with the uh, kind of militia, the, you know, the militancy that we're seeing from uh, U.S. citizens. But, uh, you know, it's, it's never too late to try. And if it is, why even bother? So um, let's open up with what we got. I'm going to clean this up real quick. That's unfortunate. Oh, jeez. I spilled some... Uh-oh. I spilled some stuff. 
Uh, pardon the unprofessionalism. Two seconds. Ugh. Shit. I guess I can just toss it in there. Alright. Alright, again, thank you for joining the Internet's finest soy boy cuckold in the world. Your host over at Talks News. Yes. Oh, man, I am not having a very good broadcast right now. I'm, I've spilled my coffee twice. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's just what I get for drinking coffee at 6.30 p.m. Um, shall we continue? Uh, we begin with Prager. The police are my friends, a senior citizen blurted out in the middle of a police community meeting I attended in the South Bronx. I've heard variations on this theme dozens of times from the law-abiding residents of high-crime communities. These hard-working people don't load the police, quite the opposite. They understand what so many seem to have forgotten or never understood. Police spend most of their time in minority communities, that is mostly black communities, because that is where innocent people are most being hurt by violent street crime. Holy shit. Wow, wow, we just got dog whistly as fuck. I think it woke up my rosebud. Holy shit. Oh no, no, you stay down. It's just the dog whistles from the racist. Yes, yes. Um, I hope she proceeds with the rest of her argument um, on, you know, accounts of the people being policed by police being their friends um, because that was a really dark way to segue. Because I feel like, you know, she was speaking to, like, a, a a Karen, a white Karen, who was saying, but the police are my friends. I need my friends. And then she's like, well, that's where we have you. We, we, we've been protecting you this whole time because cops are where the crime is. And that's where minorities are. That's where the most violent crimes happen, is in minority neighborhoods. And, you know, while we could discuss um the need to respond to violent crimes as necessary um you know there's so many more crimes that are going unsolved and um insufficiently uh, i i just want to say worked upon like they just don't uh garner enough tension uh, attention from uh, the police uh and we, we, we could look at the statistics, but I feel like that's not what we're going to be looking at here. I, I want to stay on subject with Prager, but it seems like um, we're, we're not going to talk about all the unsolved rape cases that go on. And um, I feel like uh, burglary cases are fairly unsolved as well. So um, let's just find out some more. Uh, see where this goes, but I just was kind of thrown off by the segue that we had there. Where, but the the friend the the cops are my friends, and she goes, but that's why we have them in minority communities. See, I I want to go backwards and see if I times from the law-abiding residents of high crime communities. These hardworking people okay. don't load the police. Quite the opposite. So okay, so she what she's trying to do here is paint uh she is calling some of the minorities um um you know hard-working individuals but 
she also is um, lump summing that violent uh, the crime rate the high crimes to also those communities so while there are hard-working people within um, high crime rate counties districts cities um, there's a they're also in the middle of all of that crime and I guess they're the ones who need the police more than anybody these hard-working people don't load the police quite the opposite they understand what so many seem to have forgotten or never understood. Police spend most of their time in minority communities, that is mostly black communities, because that is where innocent people are most being hurt by violent street crime. It's to put it plainly, police go where the crime is. In the Oh man, and it like, here's the thing though, is that I feel like we're equating um, simply to um, it being a minority problem, which I don't, I'm like, how this isn't racist is just completely lost on me. But it, claiming high violent crime rates as a minority problem, we're actually ignoring the underlying problem of crime, um, mainly because, too, it's not always... So, you know, you do have, um, I get, you know, there, the, <laughs> just the amount of racism has just got me baffled. The fact that I would have to explain that there's also white people living in these lower income communities, because that's the intersection of oppression that we're really missing here is that they're also in, um, high crime rates, low income. Um, there's a much more, thread together correlation and causation in between that where mostly they're tying the correlation and causation to just be race uh i think without the acknowledgement of um their social status in the i guess the in economics in the economic cast by ignoring that, it it feels so racist to me. It feels very uh, like um, race science, like uh, phrenology, eugenics kind of. It, it it don't this explanation, this specific route, which I hope we don't spend the entire video on. Um, it's it it, uh, it already seems so racist to me because yeah, we're ignoring the fact of you know intergenerational wealth being very low for. Uh, quote-unquote minority communities quote-unquote black communities because of 200 plus years of severe oppression and then also this the low amount of opportunities that was then you know spread throughout these cities in these uh <laughs> in these neighborhoods and then you know we talk about that reflecting into the school system because the school system depends upon taxes coming from low-income neighborhoods to pay for these schools which then also are on since what george bush implemented the no kid left behind a lot more had to deal with like uh um the, the school tests you know so not even school tests but like more like those federal tests that we would get in those state and federal tests that would give a general grade on the schools which would then affect their budgeting um, see, and that's like 40 seconds into this fucking thing. And I'm like, come, 
there's complexities, there's nuances, there's a lot of novelty into situations. Um, for somebody who is so focused on saying we shouldn't judge somebody by the color of their skin, but by the, uh, the, the structure of their character, we sure do blanket a lot of this shit over, like, it's a minority problem, all right? It's a high-crime minority problem. That's it, and that's why the police have to be there all the time. And it's not like we have all these stepping stones that lead to uh, police violence. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that got me shook. <laughs> 75 largest U.S. counties, about 60% of robbery and murder defendants are black, even though blacks comprise only 15% of the population in those counties. In New York City, blacks make God. up 73% of all... And what I find odd here, too, is that PragerU doesn't cite the specific studies that they're getting their information from. No sources. Uh, PragerU is the source. Shooting victims, though they are 23% of the city's population. In Chicago in 2016, there were 4,300 shooting victims, almost all black. Among the two dozen victims... All right, that... Uh, you should definitely use a percentage because are we talking about like 70 percent 60 percent what what are we talking about because almost all that's just that again that's a blanket statement empty i mean like that's just fill in the blank racist racist just fill in the fucking blank you know what it is under the age of 12 was a three-year-old shot on father's day who is now paralyzed for life and a 10-year-old shot on labor day whose pancreas and spleen were ripped apart this is the reality that police commanders in urban areas face every day. And it's wild because it's like, yo, we can fix all of your community violence with uh, state-sanctioned violence. We'll authorize certain human beings to commit acts of violence in the name of your community's uh, best interests. All the time. It will always be in your community's best interest. All the time. Don't worry about it. The gangs do not care about you, but our cops do. And it's it's so weird because I know in certain situations we definitely need guns. Like, you know, hostage situations, robbery situations. Gun, you know, if, if gangs are popping off and having gunfights, yeah. Um, traffic tickets, you know. I don't know if we need to bring guns to every single situation that we have. But that's the thing, is that they are in these high-crime, quote-unquote, neighborhoods, and so they're on edge. And it's just like, we don't provide the opportunities, and then if we provide too much welfare, then, you know, the Republicans and conservatives say, well, we've, we, we, we have them dependent now on the government, and they're just becoming a bunch of lazy people. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's, it's a tireless fight because I think piling violence on top of an already violent situation is just like violence beget, begets violence. And for the state to just uh, repeat the cycle seems to be causing more harm than it actually does good. I've seen videos break down where, you know, the, the crime rate doesn't drop because of, um, uh, because of police presence, it's always through legislation. It's always through legislation. Um, and that could, you know, stem into job programs. It could stem into welfare programs. It could stem, stem into uh, educational programs. It could stem into uh, criminal uh, policies. But um, I feel like policies and education is probably the best route rather than excessive force or 
even just force in general because i mean once you apply force then at times you're going to get excessive force even uh attorney general william barr was able to concede that point so you know why not just avoid the chance of excessive force and only use force when needed rather than having it all the fucking time um but you know to really start stemming the gang problem i think we have to provide them much better opportunities than we do and i think that actually is only going to be possible for the younger generation because they're coming out into the world fresh for opportunities where a lot of um gang members i feel i don't know what we can do because it seems like a rehabilitation at that point because they've joined a different kind of cult that has led them into a fight or flight mind state all the time but again this is very fucking complicated to blanket statement and just say fuck it throw more cops at it is extremely lazy and i have to say stupid it's incompetent and that's why the like conservatives have no new ideas it's throw more police at it and give the president more power trust the courts thank you and every day they get calls from law-abiding citizens in high-crime neighborhoods begging for assistance. So are the police friend or foe? Are they engaging in an epidemic of deadly racist violence, as we so often hear? In 2019, the police killed 235 blacks, most of them armed or dangerous, out of 1,004 police shooting victims overall. All right, since we're here, let's see. Let's see, let's see. Um, uh, how, uh, let's see, how many cop involve killings in the UK? They're like our closest to, I feel like, uh, Fatal's police shootings. I feel like the UK is probably closest to how we operate, you know? So, um, all right. Number of fatal police shootings, England and Wales, 2000 through 2019. Um, be between 2018 and March 2019, there were 13 incidents where the police discharged firearms. Five more than in 2017 and 2018, and the highest in a single reporting year since 2008 and 2009. That's coming from Statista, I believe. Statista. Um, fascinating. Like that, I feel like that right there already tells me that's low numbers compared to the United States. Because let's see, if I just change from UK to US, so remember that 13 incidents. Right, U.S. 2019. Statista, right here. Oh, we got 2020 though. I want, I want 2019 Statista. Cause if I get the same website, that will at least give us a bit more consistency here. I don't want to pull your leg. I just want to shake your hand. Oh, that's a bad thing to say in Corona, corona times. All right. Um, the rate of civilians killed by police in the United States is far higher than in. Uh, comparable developed democratic countries so i just wanted the statistics and it already is giving me these uh just rates right here so great they even the statista even was able to put it in a line um the united states killed 33 uh 
let's see, 35, uh, 33 and a half people killed by police per 10 million residents in 2019. Holy shit. Canada has 9.8 deaths per 10 million, so they are a lot closer to us than the UK. The UK would be, like, way down there. Yeah, the UK has 0.5. Jesus fucking Christ. I thought the UK was a lot closer to the way things we operate since we're like, we're not even descendants from them anymore since we're all just like an alchemation of other shit. But if you can look on the graph on YouTube here, like the United States is definitely number one. Like this is, uh, police shootings is an America first policy because we are definitely in first place when it comes to that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so how are we solving the problem uh, by, by saying that, like, oh, man, you know, it's, the black people are really getting killed far less than white people in the United States, and it's like, we still have a massive amount of people dying by the hands of police. Like, are our police not just uh, more likely to kill somebody than any other nation? Like, seriously. Norway has zero. <laughs> I don't, and don't don't tell me race hegemony has anything to do with it, because that is just ridiculous. The Netherlands two point three, New Zealand two. Germany's even lower than we are. Japan far lower than we are. It's amazing. Jesus. So like honestly, um, honestly. We, we need to stop having this conversation of like, well, they don't die that much. 235 out of 1,004? Come on, man. Like, that's 23%. <laughs> like, what do you what do you what do you want me to say? That's that's still twenty three percent, and I shouldn't even have done the math on that one because it's it's done. It's basically twenty four percent. Like, come on. Oh my goodness. That twenty five percent ratio yeah. is actually less than what the black crime rate would predict, since police shootings are a function of the rate at which officers encounter violent suspects. What about the unarmed victim? Oh my god. She just said the shit that that one cop did, basically. That, like, what, what city was that in? Holy fuck. Lady. I think it was Seattle. Come on, come on. It's not a Seattle cop. Was it a Portland cop? Fuck, man, I can't remember. people 
I apologize for the bit of silence, but like, it sucks that I can't remember this properly. Uh, bad cops. No nope. remarks by Trump. No. Nope. No. Nope. What the fuck? Um, yeah, there was a cop that not too long ago said that, like, uh, there was a cop who said that, uh, we should be killing more people based on the crime rate. So, like, just because there's so many survivors that get stopped by the police that there should, like, be more. If they were being racist, then they would kill more black people, is essentially what he's saying. But, like, you know, throwing them in jail and killing them, honestly. Uh, better alternative? Which one? <laughs> you tell me. Um... I, I don't know if I can type a whole quote in. So... I'm just going to... I can't remember what city. But I thought it was off a radio show from Seattle. Is this it? Major Travis Yates. Uh-huh. Tulsa Chief Police. Damn, dude. Oh, fuck. I should have remembered that because it was right around the time that Trump wanted to have his fucking... His rally there. Um... Let's see, Yates was on KFAQ. KFAQ? Do 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 do. Uh, let's see here. Speaking to talk radio host Pat Campbell on his podcast, Major Travis Yates uh, also suggested that according to his interpretation of crime data, police should actually be shooting black Americans more frequently. Quote, you get this meme of black. Oh my god, he gets he gets his statistics from memes. Whew, okay, you get this meme of blacks are shot two times, two and a half times more, and everybody just goes, "Oh yeah." Yates said, "They're not making sense here. You have to come into contact with law enforcement for that to occur. For that to occur, yeah, no shit." Uh, let's see. If a certain group is committing more crimes, more violent crimes, and law enforcement is having to come into more, more contact with them, then that number is going to be higher. Who in the world, in their right mind, would think that our shootings should be right along the census U.S. lines? Or U.S. census lines. That's insanity. Right? But everyone's just buying off on this. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Um... 
his idea that like since they're going to come into contact with cops that number is going to be higher that means cops are uh very aggressive um you should you know expect death when meeting a cop it'd be easier than not expecting death but um yeah we're that was a long fucking tangent but she used that argument just a second ago let's see officers encounter violent suspects what about the unarmed? Less than what we Most of them armed or dangerous. Out of 1,004 police shooting victims overall, that 25% ratio is actually less than what the black crime rate would predict, since police shootings are a function of the rate at which officers encounter violent suspects. What about the... And I mean, that's only by classification of the cops as well. Cops usually classify, well, that he was resisting arrest, which would lead to, okay, he was being violent, and that's why I had to shoot him. Unarmed victims of fatal police shootings. As of June 1st, 2020, the Washington Post's database of fatal police shootings in 2019 showed nine unarmed black victims and 19 unarmed white victims of fatal police shootings. By comparison, about 7,500 blacks die of criminal homicide a year. You know about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, but what about Tony Timpa? In 2016, three Dallas police officers held the handcuffed Timpa, a white man, on the ground for 13 minutes with a knee to his back while he pleaded for help. His death was ruled a homicide. I really like that the cops right here that are watching uh the other cop like uh, on the back of the other of of the the of Tempa the the animation of Tempa both of those cops like kind of look like they're concerned for Tempa while the uh, the cop with his knee on the back is like fuck this guy I'm a, I'm applying pressure and both of them are like oh jeez Rick you know that's what their faces look like um but here's the thing is like I really wish they would stop having this argument too is that if you know um they kill more white people and it's like then why aren't you guys pissed why are you not mad that there are unarmed civilians being executed by the police especially if it is of your race if you if you ooh, it's this is the thing though is that we get the videos on uh, Twitter or you know just it ends up going viral whenever we see a cop execution of an african-american and it seems like we're having these public lynchings like I feel like that's the point that we've reached where every so every once in a while we get a public lynching by a stank state sanctioned human being of authority killing uh, a civilian and I don't see too many videos of them coming from uh, um, you know for uh white victims but at the same time if we know these statistics and we could take further investigations why would we not do so why would we not be in the streets to make sure that the cops were being held accountable and maybe it's because the 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 uh media doesn't give it attention right but there is a whole movement behind it that gets these things organized that's the thing they get organized that gets them media attention and unfortunately it's reached even worse levels because the the level of violence since george floyd has just escalated beyond astronomical proportions to the point where everybody is debating whether or not we're going to be in a civil war pretty soon that's nuts but i hate the argument of oh they kill more white people and it's like then you should want police reform right 
Or are they all criminals to you, too? Because that's fucked up. There's a due process in this country. All right. So I hate that argument so much. It's lazy and it's ineffectual. It's like completely just numb to actual victims. Well, he pleaded for help. His death was ruled a homicide caused by the officer's physical restraint and by cocaine. Was the cop reprimanded, though? Are we going to get any of that information? What was his name again? Something Tempa? What about Tony? Tony Tempa? What about Ryan Whitaker? Hmm? We could do that all day, bro. We got 19 names to do it. We type in Tony Tempa. Oop, I spelled it wrong. Let's see, he was killed in 2019. His case was brought up back again in 2020. And here we have reported by NBC on July 7th. Um, federal judge tosses excessive force suit against five Dallas officers in Tony Timpa case. In a 27-page ruling, U.S. District Judge David Godby granted the officer's motion for summary judgment in the case of Tony Timpa. The unarmed Rockwall man died in 2016 from sudden cardiac death due to the toxic effects of cocaine and psychological stress associated with uh, physical restraint. Uh, that's the same exact uh, ruling that they would probably give uh, George Floyd since they're saying, oh, he had all these drugs in his system. Uh, Godby based his decision signed Monday on the controversial doctrine of qualified immunity. Under that standard, Timpa's family had to identify a specific case in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that clearly established that the officer's conduct at the time was unconstitutional. They got to walk. So here's the thing, though. As I would say that I understand that Black Lives Matter has a very specific message but they have to find a way to integrate tony's death in here because more overall to get the fucking white moderates on your goddamn side is to have the sympathy of their race i don't i don't know what else to do because they like conservatives keep bringing up this argument but they won't go in the streets for tony no they will sit there and back the blue because it's anti-black like that's it you otherwise you would want reform because tony died but you don't actually care because of the cocaine right how do we know it was in a system oh the police did an autopsy right sus a lot of it's always sus and qualified immunity just being the fucking easiest way to solve a case real quick by saying can't prove it's unconstitutional he was being detained shit shit just happens when you're being detained like people should be in the streets for tony um i guess um Black Lives Matter needs to exist because it is very important that we stop getting these fucking lynchings every three months and then uh, what we need to do is also have a very loud, large uh, anti-police brutality movement. And they don't even have to have the same goals as uh, Black Lives Matter, but solidarity is going to be the key for the success of both of, both of these movements. Um, 
but it, it is it is just so grotesque that conservatives will constantly bring up oh but white people are killed more often than black people then what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> is not to justify police misconduct but to rebut the claim that questionable tactics occur only or even disproportionately in the case of black suspects. All right, all right, police aren't racist. We excessively force on everybody, okay? So. Indeed, it is premature to conclude that the killing of George Floyd was a product of racial animus at all, as opposed to poor training and the officer's unfit temperament. Ideally, officers would take no one's life in the course of their duties. Ideally. But in light of the number of arrests that officers make each year, around 10 million, and the number of deadly weapons attacks on officers, 27 a day, it is not... That's only nine, that's only like 10,000. They arrest 10 million people a year. Cops have weapons attacks on them 10,000 times a year on average. So violent crime isn't actually the thing getting people locked up most of the time. And about 10% of those uh uh 10% of uh, of those uh violent crimes are actually killed by police. So there's um, a large chunk that seemed to be subdued. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit more, uh, what would you say, complexity than just reading off a s random statistics of a study when it fits your argument at the time. But it doesn't really even fit the argument. It just, a lot of this just sounds hyperbolic and stupid. 10 million arrests over, uh, what was it, a thousand people killed? Um, yeah, there's a thing in America called the private prison system, and it is a for-profit system that needs bodies to fill them. Not quite as profitable to kill them off. But it sure does help divide the country. Now, I'm not saying that's, you know, necessarily conspiratorially, uh, executed, but these executions just keep happening. And it seems like our leaders are just completely ineffective at, at, at doing anything about it. Um, what's funny is that Biden is like saying, he tweeted like, uh, do you really believe that the violence will stop if Trump wins or some shit like that? And it's like, do we really believe that anything's going to change if Biden wins? <laughs> you know? Not clear that a thousand civilian deaths the vast majority occurring in the face of potentially deadly attack show a law enforcement profession that is out of control. Can police methods be improved? Of course they can, with more hands-on tactical training, more practice in de-escalation, and better techniques to control stress. Buzz, 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 None of that was a... Here's what we could do. Here's buzz, 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 buzz words. Buzz. What won't help is defunding police agencies. 
Officers in depleted departments who cannot get backup when they face dangerous suspects will be even more stressed out and more at risk of making bad decisions. Response times will increase. Cash-starved agencies will train less, not more. If the goal is to reduce crime, shifting... <sighs> it's like if we just defund them in general, then, like, they're just going to become these weakened things rather than, like, actually just reappropriating money where it is more necessary rather than just militarizing the police because they have been militarized insanely in the past 10 years. So... Um, bitch, please. Police funding to social services is also a mistake. Yeah. For decades, New York City was spending one-seventh of all government welfare dollars in America. Yet crime started falling in the city only when the NYPD adopted the data-driven policing that has now become the norm across the country, sending officers to the areas where they are most needed. That norm is now threatened. Sure, there are bad cops of all races who must be removed. That is true of every profession and always will be. But so is this. <laughs> the overwhelming majority of officers are motivated by a desire to help the most vulnerable among us. Police are not the problem. Racism is not the problem. Crime is the problem. The law-abiding citizens of high-crime communities, the ones who will pay the price of a diminished police presence, get it. Remember where the crime is? Where's the crime? It's in minority communities. So what is she saying in the conclusion? If you believe that all black lives matter, you should too. I'm Heather McDonald, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute for Prager University. If you think Black Lives Matter, you would throw more police at them. Just keep throwing more and more police at them because that has been fixing the problem. Man, we're, we're eventually just going to have open-air prisons because, you know, we'll reach a point where it's just like, man, these, these areas are so de degenerated and uh, so filled with filth that we're just going to have to close them off. <laughs> gross disgusting um yeah the do nothing conservatives um say trust the system trust the plan and uh eventually we will all live the american dream do not listen to anyone with grievances for they hate america trust me for i love you although we are strangers in the midst of the night yeah, they're not that poetic. Um, I just hear a lot of hateful rhetoric, but, um, you know, we got to move on here. Um, coming up with Benny Shapiro talking about Trump supporter killed by an alleged Antifa member in Portland. I am sure this will be increasingly enlightening as it continues on, and I'm sure it will bring the country united once again. Okay, so here's what happens over the weekend. Patriot prayer shows up in Portland. They're driving their trucks. They've got the Trump flags and Antifa because they own the streets and because the cops have been told to stand down, confrontation occurs. So the Patriot prayer guards uh, aren't shooting the members of Antifa who are trying to literally block traffic. Instead, they are macing them. So here's what the uh, here's what some of the video looked like. 
over the weekend. You can see they are firing mace from the windows to try and force the streets open, people getting out of the way. Uh, they were also firing paintballs at some of the, at some of the uh, Antifa members. Hey, is any of this good? Of course none of this is good. Where the hell are the cops? Where the hell are the feds? And the answer is Mayor Ted Wheeler is a garbage mayor. It is Where's his job to make sure order? that when you leave, I said it last week, this stuff is predictable. When you leave the legitimate government monopoly on the use of force at the back door, then there will be something that fills the gap. And typically it tends to be tribal violence. Okay, that is what you are seeing in the streets. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, then whoa, whoa, a pro-Trump whoa, whoa, supporter whoa, whoa, was murdered. Whoa, 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 Literally whoa, 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 whoa. Um, if these things are predictable, right? Let's say we could go back to day one. Would Ben Shapiro be able to predict what would happen if the Minneapolis police um, sent out riot cops against protesters rather than at least uh, sending charges towards Derek Chauvin while they gathered evidence and prepared for a trial? Would he have been able to predict the outcome of that? Because I feel like a lot of people would have. Yeah, I think answering a crowd with rubber bullets is going to give you a predictable outcome when it comes to protests. But we're only acknowledging that now because... What? And honestly, like, what would have the Republicans done differently except for allowed Trump's uh, secret agency to come in quicker? They would have still had the same kind of uh, curfew, uh, labeling it a riot tactics, uh, rubber bullets, tear gas, arrests, um, batons, flashbangs, um, unmarked minivans. Like, all of that would have still happened. But what, is it just not hard enough for you? Do we need live ammunition before our leaders are competent again? I, I just, I, I am so confused. You leave the legitimate government monopoly on the use of force at the back door, and there will be something that fills the gap. Whoa. And typically, it tends to. Whoa! I think Ben Shapiro just showed his power level right there. Ben Shapiro said that the government has the legitimate monopoly over violence. Um, how anti-Second Amendment is that? Ben Shapiro will one day justify the taking of arms, I swear. As long as it's under a Republican president. To be tribal violence. Holy okay, that is shit. what you are seeing in the streets. Okay, then, a pro-Trump supporter was murdered. Literally just murdered on the streets. Okay, so here is the video. It's troubling, obviously. Uh, you can't see it now, what's fascinating is that there's been videos coming out of Kenosha, right? And Ben Shapiro talked about, I believe, with the Kyle Rittenhouse video and the Jacob Blake video, is that there is absolutely zero context. And that we don't know what's going on, and the left-wing media is quick to jump on this, and I'm sure that's going to continue here, because to be perfectly honest with you, with the videos that have come out, uh, yeah, no context, barely, if any, at all. I would say zero. But here we go. Particularly well, but that is your warning. So you, you will see a man in the background walk up 
to a walk up to another man and literally just shoot him point blank. And what you can what it, you seem to you know, and I've watched this video and I can't even necessarily discern who it is that would that that shot him and ran off. I honestly I need to like um I honestly need to be able to rewind it like and have like an enhanced computer to really analyze it. To be able to hear in the background is we got a trumper here. Right? We have a Trump supporter, so that means it's time to murder him apparently. Here is what that sounded like. running off to the right. Yeah, it looked like maybe it was that guy in the white shirt that... Okay, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, it's the gentleman in the... I think he has long white socks and a white shirt. So you shoot the man, the man's dead. You shot I mean, a man to death right there on the street, this Antifa member. My problem was watching. And now we have uh, we have some no knowledge of who this guy is because he is indeed an Antifa member. He is not a white supremacist who committed this murder. Okay, according to the New York Post, an ex-military man who calls himself 100% Antifa. Wait, have they caught him? Because I heard this morning that there hasn't been any updates. Hold on. Wall Street Journal has it. They're very, they're pretty right leaning. Uh, former professional snowboarder is a person of interest, according to law enforcement. Family member said she identified a man. Police told her they are investigating in the Saturday killing of a right wing protester in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Michael Renol. A 48-year-old former professional snowboarder who calls himself a member of Antifa on social media. That's this sounds all very legit. Um, an Antifa member. I mean, I I would call myself an Antifa member just because I'm anti-fascist in my ideology. So I guess you know any of us could be labeled in a member of Antifa just because we are simply anti-fascist but if you are an anti-fascist then what are ya alright um, so we have Oregon Live here also reporting the same thing uh, man under investigation in fatal shooting after pro-Trump rally allegedly took loaded gun to earlier pro Portland protest um Let's see here. 48 year old man who was accused of carrying a loaded gun at an earlier. Do do do. Michael calls himself an anti fascist and has posted videos and photos of demonstrations he attended since late June, accompanied by the hashtag Black Lives Matter, A New Nation, Brianna Taylor. 
Rhinel was raised in Sandy and has had recent addresses in Northeast Portland. Described himself. He hated his time in the army, so that's great. That's definitely going to be good optics for him. <laughs> the Oregon Live calls Patriot Prayer the conservative group. <laughs> They're a bit more than that. A bit more than conservative. Unless conservative has already changed meanings, which it might have. Um, let's see. So his charges for that first time he brought a gun was dropped. Um... Do, 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 do. She was awakened by a threatening phone call from someone who told her that our whole family was in danger unless we turned him over. That's so strange. That she would point out that it was him and that the whole family is in danger unless they turn him over. Like, that's so strange. So whoever made that threatening phone call must have known who he is before uh the police did before anybody else identified him because she's the one who identified him yeah we reached out to police and confirmed that we recognized michael in the screenshots she asked that her name not be used because of the threats um apparently michael rinal has been estranged from his family for at least three years But he's also very impulsive and irrational. I love how this is going to be painted um, by the right as like an act of Antifa against right wing or against patriots or against uh, yeah right wing movements, right wing groups. It's going to be seen as an uh, a left wing attack on right wing when really it was an erratic individual. Um, who took matters into their own hands can't really um move them underneath the banner of black lives matter or even the banner of antifa i see this more as it, it is a political killing because if if it's true that he said hey we got a trumper here just before he did it it's a political killing um unfortunately though i can't subscribe to the idea that his ideology is um Let's see. No, I mean, I, 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 the, the problem here is attaching his act solely to the ideology because then that ideology is then grouped into other people who are within that same ideology. So say he is uh, a leftist, then let's say he's he would he was a part of an actual Democratic Party, then he would be considered Democrat, and the Democrats would be held responsible for his actions. But really, that's ridiculous because he could be a he could say he's an Antifa member. Right. Just like I did without actually being signed up or a part of, let's say, Rose City Antifa, which is in um, Portland. He might not even be a member of that. He might just say that he's an anti-fascist. So, wow. Um, to be able to, for this to be the thing um, that 
has almost pushed us over the edge of world war or not world war but civil war along with um kyle rittenhouse on top of all of this is just insane so um i hope he can turn himself in and explain that he is an individual who needs a different kind of help because from what i can tell here he's stolen his mother's uh, uh medication seizure medication and owes a lot of debt often giving his relatives addresses as his own to avoid responsibility i mean what i'm what sounds like here's of a an individual who has a lot of problems um that you know deal with his own behavior so it's very dangerous to just group him underneath the ideology because it's convenient for political points and also to rile up a base of violence um it's incredibly irresponsible and i can't help but um uh, uh condemn ben shapiro for supporting um such a narrative 100% Antifa and ready for war is being investigated over the deadly shooting of a President Trump supporter in Portland, according to a report. His name is Michael Forrest Reinal, 48. He's being investigated over the death of Aaron Danielson, a supporter of the right-wing Patriot Prayer Group, who was part of a caravan of Trump supporters who flooded the city Saturday, police sources told the Oregonian. He was identified in part by a distinctive tattoo on his neck of a black power fist. Hmm. Seems he had some politics, as well as a call from his estranged sister who recognized him in video and photos of the deadly attack. The 36-year-old sister was first alerted after a threatening call that woke her up at 8 a.m. on Sunday, warning our whole family was in danger unless we turned him over. We reached out to police, confirmed we recognized Michael in the screenshots from the shooting, she told the paper. Apparently, he's estranged from most of the family, including his parents, after stealing from them. Uh, and then she decried the shooting as uh, not, part, not the solution to the country's problems. He regularly posts about Black Lives Matter and protests on his social media. He says, I am 100% Antifa all the way. I am willing to fight for my brothers and sisters, insisting he would not run from the violence. Now, here's the thing. He was cited at a July 5th protest on allegations of possessing a loaded gun in a public place, resisting arrest, and interfering with police. He was See, this just sounds like an erratic individual who is constantly uh, getting in trouble. But to paint him underneath, this is what a leftist is. Uh, very convenient and useful and uh, in a in a time when and it's true uh, the only thing important is the story so that's that's the post-truth era that we live in he was then given a date to appear in court later that month but the allegations were dropped on July 30th with the no complaints according to court records no reason was given the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office said it was reviewing the case. This is literally a case of a person who committed a criminal act but was on the right side of the leftist narrative being released without any charges because... Is o Oregon a... Is Oregon a open carry? Open carry of firearms is legal statewide without a permit. The cities of Portland, Beaverton, Tigard, Oregon City, Salem, and Independence, as well as Multnomah County, have statutes which do not allow open carry of loaded firearms unless one has a concealed carry permit. What if he did? Uh, but here's the thing is that... Um, 
the story that Ben Shapiro's saying is that he was let go uh, from no complaint, right? But no reason was given. So I think that's significant that, you know, I don't feel like the court would be that irresponsible, but maybe. I believe that part was up here. Yeah, it says the documents don't indicate why prosecutors did not decided not to pursue the accusations, which was, um, let's see, uh, which comes from the Oregon Live. Um, yeah, I don't think it's because he was on the side of Black Lives Matter. Um, the resisting arrest and interfering with police are interesting charges, but maybe they just found misconduct at the hands of police and didn't want to necessarily report that because that's what happens. Because the city of Portland decides not to prosecute anymore people who engage in crime at these protests so long as they have the right perspective. And then he went out and he murdered somebody. <laughs> he had a slew of other charges as well. He was also previously charged with having a loaded Glock pistol for which he didn't have a license and uh, was stopped with his 11-year-old daughter as a passenger in his car. The Portland Police Bureau did not immediately respond to requests for comment. This is all according to the New York Post. Okay, the response from members of the crowd when they found out that this happened were twofold. One, misinformation immediately went around that a Trump supporter had shot a black man because this is, uh, this is what happens now. Right? Any story is immediately filled in by the internet with black man, innocent black man shot, right? This just happened in Minneapolis when a uh, black murder suspect literally killed himself. I mean, committed suicide and rioting happened anyway. So I don't remember anybody saying that it was a black man. I remember it being pretty quick that it was a Blue Lives Matter Patriot Prayer. The false member, story so. led to rioters targeting a gas station. Uh, so there was video of that that was emerging over the weekend. These rioters targeting a gas station in Portland. You can see because that makes perfect sense. It's the gas station's fault. That gas station is systemically racist, obviously. So there are the rioters targeting the gas station. Always a always a good look. Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! They're not even they're not even rioting. They're not even looting. They're not breaking anything. This is what an actual protest looks like, which is basically just occupying a space while chanting slogans and singing songs. What's fascinating, though, is that we've completely lost the idea on the right that these are protests. That, that, that idea is completely gone, and these are all riots. Every single one of them, it does not matter. They do not care. Gathering at the, uh, at the petrol station, yeah, preparing for something or other. Okay, and then there is a I mean, BLM activist. For fuck's sake, that actually could have just been the meeting point. Because you know what? You can get water there. You can get drinks you can get smokes, you can get blunt wraps, you can get a lot of things from the gas station, which might make it a good place to start your protest. Or maybe just a, a, a stopping point, so people can go to the bathroom. There's many reasons, Ben, why a group of protests would go to the gas station. They're not rioting, they're not looting it, they're not stealing from it. Here's a video of them just being them. I hate it. Who literally told a group of people in Portland I am not sorry, this is a direct quote, I'm not sorry an effing fascist died tonight. Now, is there any evidence this guy was a fascist, the, the victim in this case? He was a member of Patriot Prayer. They are not conservative. Most, peop most, most uh, people that are informed uh, tend to call them far right. 
So let's see here, Ben. Now, nobody really calls anybody a fascist uh, when they're a part of these groups, but far-right patriot prayer. Cool. Oh, state police uh, return to Portland. Cool. Um, let's see here. What we know about patriot prayer from the Southern Poverty Law Center. So here's the thing, though, is that they are not going to be... Uh, the right wing would not like this. They, they don't like the Southern... Uh, poverty Law Center. Um, Patriot Prayer is a far-right uh, group active in the Pacific Northwest. Over the past three years, the group has hosted and promoted rallies in progressive cities like Portland, frequently engaging in violence against their political opponents. Patriot Prayer rallies regularly include the Proud Boys, a hate group, and various anti-government extremist groups. In 2018, the FBI included the Washington, Oregon Proud Boys during a presentation to the Clark County Sheriff's Office on, quote, domestically inspired acts of violence, unquote. The FBI advised, quote, Proud Boys, mem Proud Boys members have contributed to the recent escalation of violence at political rallies held on college campuses and in cities like Charlottesville, Virginia, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. A report from the Clark Sheriff's Office stated... So... Here's the thing. It's unfortunate that that was just fucking posted. Um, they were charged for attacking uh, people uh, back in 2018. Uh, they they a part of the cider riot. Um, uh, I don't know bar brawl. I, I guess we could call it. And uh, eventually, Patriot Prayer cornered a woman, and uh, one of their members broke her vertebrae. I think fractured it is the proper word, with a baton. Um, these are not peaceful people. Um, they have been known to actually float around uh, jumping people. The Proud Boys are not very peaceful either. Uh, their former leader, Gavin McInnes, used to really really emphasize the idea that they should cause pain to left-wing uh, activists or even just leftists in general um, but see it's it's so unfortunate um, we have we have an ar article here from 2019 uh, saying Patriot prayer proud boys continue violence even as legal consequences mount um, on a drizzly Portland day this past September, members of Vancouver-based Patriot Prayer gathered at Portland's Pioneer Square for what they called a prayer march. About 30 of the members were greeted by a handful of counter-demonstrators, a contingent of satanic Portland anti-fascists among them. <laughs> members sporting helmets and video cameras. Uh, one Patriot Prayer member told a black counter-protester to go back to Africa. Um, the occasional passerby yelled for them to go back to Washington, or no one wants you here. Patriot Prayer is a far-right group. This article is from 2019, by the way, uh, November. Patriot Prayer is a far-right group that has attracted racist and violent followers. The group is similar to the more well-known Proud Boys, another violent extremist group. Yeah. 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 So, um, yep, that's great. That was uh, an article from 2019 from obp.org. Let's see here. Undercover in Patriot Prayer. This was August 26, 2019. 
Portland Mercury. It says, uh, undercover and patriot prayer insights from a Vancouver Democrat who's been working against the far right group from the inside. Wow, this actually sounds hot. Uh, since 2017, far right groups have flocked to notoriously liberal Portland to march, yell, and engage in violent clashes with left wing activists. Most of these demonstrations were planned by Patriot Prayer, a small coalition of Trump supporting provocateurs based in Vancouver, Washington. I believe that was what it is. Um, Bin has marched alongside Patriot Prayer for nearly every major Portland demonstration events with such vague names as Rally for Trump and Freedom. Freedom March and Trump Free Speech Rally. What the far right group didn't know was that Bin was a spy. Um, let's see here. Alright. We're getting a bit of a biography on Bin, but I'm a little bit more interested in actual accounts here um, do, 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 do. and the thing is too is that uh, Andy No was actually uh, there at the side of riots and it was his leaked footage that showed uh, them planning the uh the brawl there and um that led to the arrest or indictments of several members of patriot prayer so andy no fucked up that time um let's see yeah this article mentions andy no saying there's an understanding patriot pr prayer protects him and he protects them so um yeah, it talks about the see uh, where the group intended to confront Antifa activists. So on May first, twenty nineteen, Ben joined Patriot Prayer in Portland, where the group intended to confront Antifa activists who were protesting U.S. immigration and customs enforcement policies. When Patriot pa Patriot Prayer's attempt to provoke the protesters fizzled, the majority of the group retreated to an I eighty four overpass by the Lloyd Center to wave American flags at passersby. Gibson remained at the ICE protest. Quote, I'm mostly here so that I can text people in case any of the fash, shorthand for fascists, attempt to go to where the counter-protesters are, Ben told his Facebook Live viewers that afternoon from the overpass, and I'm getting who's present so I can pass the information on to other people. Um, yeah. Yep, there's that video, May Day Before the Fight. It's a side of riot situation. Um, oh, yeah. So Ben was actually the guy who recorded that. Not Andy No fucking up. I remember him just having the film of Andy No there. So I remember all of this a bit. Um, but I was just trying to get a little bit more uh, truth here. Um, you, you'll also see a lot when Patriot Prayer is included in conversations. Um, it'll always say... Um, clashes with counter protesters or something like that and it's uh it's it's the way it goes um let's see mercury news from 2017 um said right-wing group and the dude 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 all eyes are on port patriot prayer 
um, organized other events have attracted. So all eyes are now, and this is from the Mercury News in 2017, all eyes are now on Patriot Prayer, the Oregon-based right-wing outfit led by founder Joey Gibson. His group in the past has organized other events that have attracted white supremacists and ended up in violent confrontations among demonstrators on both sides. <laughs> Fascinating that they used on both sides. Um, uh, now it's Patriot Prayer comes to town on Saturday. Here's a look at some things you should know about the group. While Patriot Prayer has legs. members say the crazy field event is designed to promote free speech. Yeah, sure. Um... Let's see. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they attract violence and white supremacy. So to deny that they're fascists outright would just mean that you're severely uninformed on the situation. Nope. We have no idea <laughs> whether he was... There is no evidence. There's he's no evidence he was a white nationalist or a white supremacist. In fact, the only thing that we know about him is that you can see his prone body lying on the ground and he's wearing some Blue, Blue Lives Matter gear, right? Pro-police gear. But that means he's a fascist now. So here is a BLM activist. Don't worry, though. This is not political, right? I mean, this is white supremacist. Well, well, as we will see, everyone bears equal responsibility, according to the media. Here we go. I do not condone political violence whatsoever. Ever. I'm not angry. You're not paying attention. If y'all are not angry, you're not with me. Everybody needs to realize what's going on in our community. Our community can hold its own without the police. We can take out the trash on our own. I am not sad that a fascist died tonight. Well, I mean, there's no evidence the person's a fascist, but if you oppose the revolution, you're a fascist. That's the way communists speak. And that, that is, if you're if you're not a Bolshevik, you're a Menshevik, right? That's that's the way this works. I mean, that that is it's fucked up though because if you aren't an anti-fascist, what are you? Um, but I guess you know the the real problem that the left and the right are having is actually defining who the fascists are um both are pointing fingers and to ben shapiro um it looks like uh the spider-man meme um to me it looks like uh a citizen crying wolf and the wolf is like wearing this like poorly sewn together grandma outfit and it, like it barely fits into because that's what conservatism is. It's, it's grandma's outfit. In just a second, we're going to get to more of this and the insane media spin that is coming out of this because this sort of violence is now occurring across the nation. That's the and, thing, and these sorts of Is that Ben Shapiro really jumped ahead on this story uh, before like a lot of context and uh, real facts came out. Um, I'm sure we're just going to get more spectacle as they arrest this uh, arrest the murder suspect, but um, lumping him into Antifa and Black Lives Matter is just more of that Red Scare, anti-left-wing uh, movement tactics, which is extremely fascist. I, I can't tell you how fascist that is. Um, it's, it's, it's authoritarian as shit, for sure. That's also a part of the problem, because um, the Bolsheviks did have the same kind of issue with dispelling their political enemies but it is a fascistic trait as well 
So um, authoritarianism really just exchange in where exactly uh, it focuses its power. And, um, you know, I think America is much closer to fascism just because of its relation to capital. Um, it seems like fascism is the emergency button you press to protect capital. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of, we'll see because, you know, we there's been, f- fascism's fairly fluid. You get characteristics, but it's not necessarily always the same in between. But I think it's usually a form of authoritarianism that is uh, thrown forward in order to protect the ruling class, which um, in most cases has been capital for the past like 300 or so years, maybe even longer. <sighs> but thank you, Ben, for um, lump summing and blanketing Black Lives Matter, rioters, Antifa, everyone on the left into this this evil demagogue um it is definitely the the healthiest thing you can do in in the times that we are in right now um there's really nothing more you could do that would bring this nation together than just continually demonizing people who oppose your traditionalist beliefs so we're gonna take a quick break real quick and then we're gonna get into joe biden's uh remarks in pittsburgh thank you for joining me here on talks news um this has been a fucking blast for me so um let's just uh keep the train on rolling but like i said we're gonna have to take a quick intermission for me to uh properly upload this because of time constraints i'm sure a 20 minute speech here from joe biden is going to take me a little bit longer so i'll have to upload these into two pieces on youtube but it will be one whole enchilada on uh your favorite podcast but please allow me this break so i can reorganize myself I appreciate you. You are patient and you are loved. Maybe not by conservatives, but I appreciate and love you. We will be right back after these short messages from your King Gizzard and your Lizard Lizard.
the cream of the crop. The best that may never see the top, but is just too good for the bottom. All right, so we are back with our final piece for tonight. Um, I wanted to get into Joe Biden's speech that I feel like should be the uniting speech for the progress progressives. Ooh, pardon me. And the Democrats to come together to form the strongest anti-Donald Trump coalition we have ever seen. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, normally I usually cover right-wing narratives. Um, but today I want to see what Joe Biden has in store for us. Uh, because uh, we are closely approaching the, uh, the expiration date of America, November 3rd. So I just... I want to see where this uh, where this uh, presidential candidate nominee may take this. So let's get started. Good afternoon. I want to thank Carnegie Mellon for providing this space and uh, all the promise it holds for future jobs in a high-tech world. In the recent days, uh, we've had a lot of talk about who's going where and how I've decided to come to Pittsburgh to talk a little bit about what's going on right now. In the early days of World War II, Franklin Roosevelt told the country, and I quote, the news is going to get worse and worse before it gets better and better. And the American people deserve to have it straight from the shoulder. Straight from the shoulder. The job of a president is to tell it straight from the shoulder. Why did he say straight from the shoulder like three times? And I feel like it has like some weird connotation with like shooting. Is he tone deaf? I... I can't... All right. All right, we're only a minute in. Let's oh. tell the truth, to be candid, to face facts, to lead, not to incite. That's why I'm speaking to you today. The incumbent president is incapable of telling us the truth, incapable of facing the facts, and incapable of healing. He doesn't want to shed light. He wants to generate heat, and he's stroking violence in our cities. You know, this is a, a tragic fact of the matter that... I think if he wanted to stay on brand with the... Uh, the metaphor that he was going for, I think it would have been stoking, right? Because it has more to do with, like, flames, I believe. Something to do with fire, but... I've never heard stroke before. Stroke the flames? Don't stoke the flames stroke them. Um, my overall issue with the Democratic Party and Joe Biden it is, it is a sh extremely lackluster campaign in order to capture as much of the moderate Democrat and some moderate Republicans onto their side in the hopes that uh, that's the majority voter base right now. It may well be But there's a whole generation right now coming up that are going to be increasingly progressive 
And I feel like after four more years of Donald Trump, it's going to be pretty radicalizing for a lot of those growing it from progressivism now and then further on. So that's going to be interesting if we're not living in some sort of like authoritarian hellscape by then. Um, but if we get Biden, I mean, that's just kind of a Band-Aid on a shotgun wound. So uh, organizing is still going to be incredibly important because this is, yeah, this is not so much of, um, it's not as radical as the right's painting it to be. It's much more of a return to norm, which, you know, I'm not sure so many Americans are going to be sold on that because I feel like a lot have been disaffected by neoliberalism. And it makes me wonder if it's more than the moderate votes that they can gather because, you know, there's a lot on the Republican side that don't agree with the neoliberalist policies of the past of, uh, of Obama as well. And then there's, you know, more further on the right that also don't like it. And the scary thing is that they share that same feeling with people who are further left. And, um, but the, the difference there becomes that the, the, the further left just doesn't like capitalism whatsoever. So then capitalism is the sole problem for the neoliberalist policies. Get rid of capitalism, no neoliberalism. Um, the conservatives and the further to the right believe that if they just continually vote in conservatives, then they won't have to deal with neoliberalist policies. Um, but the thing is, though, is that the more you hold things away from progress or um, kind of slow growth for the working class to such a staggering rate that we're starting to see right now, um, that's just going to bleed austerity, which is then going to fester into... Uh, uprising or unrest so that's it's just a little nugget there to think about um i haven't decided what i'm gonna do with my vote i have been erring on the side to vote for joe biden merely for harm reduction to hopefully have a president that has to meet the left and the right and uh not just the right and the farther to the right uh, because that just seems unworkable and unsustainable at, at this time, especially at this time. But so far, I am completely unimpressed with what Joe Biden has said. But benefit of the doubt, minute and 30 seconds in. About his perilous hour. Well, he's also been running for almost like a year. So. And now we have to stand against violence in every form it takes. Violence We've seen again and again and again of unwarranted police shooting, excessive force, seven bullets in the back of Jacob Blake, knee on the neck of George Floyd, killing of Breonna Taylor in her own apartment, violence of extremists and opportunists, right-wing militias, 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 militias. A bit of like a weird skip going on. Technical difficulty. The senseless violence of looting and burning and destruction of property. I want to make it absolutely clear, something very clear about all of this. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. Violence will not bring change. 
It'll only bring destruction. That's a very moderate position. For the far right, they're going to see that as a weakness because um, Joe Biden can't actively denounce like what Ben Shapiro wants is denounce Antifa or denounce Black Lives Matter or individuals, I guess, for some reason. Uh, but that was a very middle of the road being like any lawlessness, really, I am against. I am a politician. I believe in the laws. And uh, so it's it's going to be lackluster as well for uh, anybody on the far left. I just think that it's that position that he has to take for moderates to be like, he said it, and Trump keeps saying that he's not saying it, so Trump's a liar. And, you know, try that's Trump pushing those moderates away and holding down onto his base. And really all he needs to do is continually feed the fever egos of his base to uh, continue the uh, mountain of depression that he is building. Uh, did I say depression? I meant despair. Oh, oh! it seems we're stuck. There we go. Nope, nope, that made it worse. It's wrong go. in every way. It divides instead of unites. Destroys businesses, only hurts the working families that serve the community. It makes things worse across the board, not better. No, it's not what uh, Dr. King or John Lewis taught. It's so rough, too, though, because... Like, the riots can be started. I I don't want to fuck up with, like, broken window theory, but, like, if you have... And it's not like the protesters would participate in such things. I feel like there's just citizens who see this going on. That, you know, a guy smashing windows at AutoZone and, like, setting it on fire. Um, there might be so much anger and aggression in individuals to then join in in that vandalism which you know most people should agree is wrong it's not as wrong as uh police murdering people in my personal opinion it is wrong though because two wrongs don't make a right but what we did eventually learn about that was that the uh person who started destroying that auto zone uh was I believe an officer. I believe uh, they were a uh, plant, almost. They were someone who was sent to uh, cause a stir. And I feel like in in uh, terms, we could call that a PSYOP, where it's basically faked in order to just shift blame underneath the political movement that is the enemy of the time. Let's see. Um, at Newsbreak, Jacob Peterson is not the AutoZone umbrella man. Who's he? Let's see, Forbes had it from May 30th, July 28th here. Mystery umbrella man vandal from Minnesota police say... He's a white supremacist instigator. Um, Umbrella Man, the protest had stayed. This is also according to the Star Tribune.
Receiving an emailed tip last week, police suspect the man is a member of the Hells Angels biker gang who sought to sow discord and racial unrest through his vandalism, which included spray-painting free shit for everyone zone on the building's doors. While not identified or charged yet, the 32-year-old man has been connected to a gang called the Aryan Cowboy Brotherhood and reportedly took part in a June incident in Stillwater, Minnesota, when he and other members verbally harassed a Muslim woman. So there was an instigator who had instigated that vandalism. And honestly, I can't help but feel that this could happen in a lot of these situations. Like, especially the one in Kenosha. It's just like, why that auto shop that had Black Lives Matter? Because that irony that would be reported by the right wing would be so effective at just digging that ditch for, or the trenches, really, for the right wing base to then just, you know, set up their ammunitions in their uh and their sandbags and everything else um that has to deal with trench warfare i'm what i'm basically trying to get at here is it just digs in the uh fervent hate for the left because they're so dumb that they would burn down um an auto body shop but here's the thing is that at protests and the way that wisconsin and portland and all these police have responded to this creates a zone of chaos and when you have that going on it's hard to control that situation especially with organizers organizers don't necessarily have any authority but anybody participating in these protest movements for greater social and cultural change is not willing to sacrifice that for vandalism for bad media coverage but no matter what these things are going to reach that escalation of violence against property mind you because of the violence shown from the state against its citizens so while we can equate some of these situations to the protesters because they are sick and tired and fed up of having to deal with the state's bullshit and forgetfulness and neglect but also, we have to remember that there are instigators leading this anger into vandalism. It's a very tough situation to try and deal with, and it's certainly more complex than any political leader or news commentary pundit is willing to explain to the average citizen because it's better for you to be led than for you to lead, or for you to think for yourself, or for the narrative to be within your hands rather than uh, theirs. It's maddening. and it must end. Fires are burning and we have a president who fans the flames rather than fighting the flames. But we must not burn. We have to build. This president long ago nice forfeited any reference. moral leadership in this country. He can't stop the violence because for years he's fomented it. You know, he may believe mouthing the words law and order makes him strong. But his failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. I just want to look up something real quick. This is kind of off on a tangent. Let's see. Brr. 
Why would it pull it up like that? When has the New York Times ever pulled up a story like that? Alright. Donald Trump retweeted a tweet once saying, It is better to live one day as a lion than a hundred years as a sheep. That quote was from Mussolini. Does anyone believe there'll be less violence in America if Donald Trump is reelected? We need justice in America. We need safety in America. We're fa What's really hard, though, is that for, for Biden to actually define what he means by justice and what he means by safety. So please elaborate on those two points in your next few sentences. We've seen multiple crises. Crises under Donald Trump have kept multiplying. COVID. Economic devastation, unwarranted police violence, emboldened white nationalists, a reckoning on race, declining faith in the birth and the, of the right American future. What? There's no reason why we can't just what? do so much more. Why did he gaff the end of that? Damn it. More than we're doing. The common thread, the incumbent president who makes things worse, not better. An incumbent president who sows chaos rather than providing order. An incumbent president who fails in the basic duty of the job, which is to advance the truth that all of us know, that we're all born with the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's right, all of us. The moms and dads in Scranton, where I grew up, who have worked and scraped for everything they've ever gotten in life. The auto worker in Michigan, who still makes the best automobile in the world. Single mom in Ohio working three jobs just to stay afloat. Who'll do anything for her child. Retired veteran in Florida. Is this his appeal to working class speech? I feel like that's what this might be. Michigan, who still makes the best cars? I, f I feel like I could hear Brent uh, Turkoon saying that. It's like almost the same voice as my president and still your president. It's that same kind of passion, same kind of energy. Who gave everything he had to this country and now just wants us to honor the promises made to him. Lauren Taylor salesperson who just lost her job. A store closing after 194 years in business. Nurses and doctors in Wisconsin who've seen so much sickness so much death in the past six months and they wonder how much more how much more can they take but still they muster up the courage to take care of those patients in this pandemic while risking their own lives researchers in minnesota who woke up this morning determined to find a breakthrough in treating cancer and will do the same thing tomorrow and the day after and the day after because she'll never give up White, Black, Latino, Asian American, Native Americans, everybody. I'm in this campaign for you, no matter your color, no matter your zip code, no matter your politics. When I think of the presidency, I don't think about myself. It isn't about my brand. It's about you, the American people. We can do better, and we have to do better. And I promise you this, we will do better. You know... The road back begins now in this campaign. You know me. 
You know my heart. You know my story, my family story. Ask yourself, do I look like a radical socialist with a soft spot for rioters? Really? I want a safe America, safe from COVID, safe from crime and looting, safe from racially motivated violence, safe from bad cops. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty insane to call Joe Biden radical. It's just a it's a it's a crazy year. Let me be crystal clear. Safe from four more years of Donald Trump. I look at this violence and I see lives and communities and the dreams of small businesses being destroyed and the opportunity for real progress on issues of race and police reform such as justice being put to the test this is a merely symbolic speech it's uh, merely symbolic it, enough for him to like try and quell certain uh, right-wing rumors about him but here's the diggity dude is that like they don't give a fuck they will lie they do not care like calling Kamala Harris like radicals the most flat faced dumb shit lie I've ever heard and yet they do it regardless two fucks given Biden so a symbolic um, speech is not as what would I say leaderly it doesn't show quite as much leadership as actually discussing like specific issues on how you would atten uh, attend to these um, by saying that you would end the violence is just as equivalent as Trump saying it if he gets four more years. So by saying specifically how you would want to quell the violence might get you some more votes, but at the same time, probably not. Because honestly, I don't think anything Biden would do would be that different. Maybe not creating a secret police to go into these cities, but um, it, it, he would just leave it up to the state and the National Guard. I mean, I don't know why he would do anything different than all the uh, tactics they've used to quell civil unrest. This is nothing new. The only thing new is the secret police because Trump wants to look like a big strong man. He wants to look like a big dick, 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 dick dictator. <clears throat> Sorry. Donald Trump looks at this violence and he sees a political lifeline. Yeah. Having that's failed a, to protect this true. nation from the virus that has killed more than 180,000 Americans so far. Two 9-11s a week. Trump post an all-caps tweet screaming law and order True. to save his campaign. Mm. One of his closest political advisors in the White House doesn't even bother to speak in code. She just comes out and she says it. Quote, the more chaos, violence, the better it is for Trump's re-election. <laughs> just think about that. This is a sitting president of the United States of America. I hope that statement's true. Otherwise, that just cracks validity. That just cracks any legitimacy that he would have with moderates. Like, they're swinging, bro, honestly. And it's hard for them to decide between a police state and Joe Biden. But, um, you know, the the more he gaffes and if he, you know, spreads too much disinformation, they're not going to see much of a difference and might as well sign up to the police state because shit's pretty chaotic right now. So, Biden... You're making me sad. This country. But instead, he's rooting for chaos and violence. The simple truth is, 
Donald Trump failed to protect America. So now he's trying to scare America. Since Donald Trump and Mike Pence can't run on their record that has seen more American deaths to a virus, this virus, than the nation suffered in every war since Korea combined. Since they can't run on their economy, that has seen more people lose their jobs than any time since the Great Depression. Since they can't run on the simple... I mean, he really needs to emphasize, too, that, like, yeah, it was gonna be bad. It's hard to avoid a lot of these issues, but it didn't need to be as bad as it could be. We, ha we had a leader that was ineffective in his actions and was pretty slow to move. I feel like emphasizing that rather than just say, we know he failed in this. We know he failed in that. Like, you need to... Mm. This is lazy. Simple proposition of sending our children safely back to school. Since they have no agenda or a vision for a second term, Trump and Pence are running on this, and I find it fascinating. Quote, you won't be saving Joe Biden's America. And what's their proof? The violence we're seeing in Donald Trump's America. These are not images of some imagined Joe Biden America in the future. These are images of Donald Trump's America today. He keeps telling you, if only he was president, it wouldn't happen. If he was president, he keeps telling us that he was president, you'd feel safe. Well, he is president, whether he knows it or not. And it is happening. It's getting worse. And you know why? Because Donald Trump adds fuel to every fire. Because he refuses to even acknowledge that there's a racial justice problem in America. It's it's so unfortunate that like Biden is right that Trump adds fuel to every single fire, but like Biden also is the establishment who has uh called these fires to at least be in like little campfires, you know, just like enclosed off spaces where like Trump kind of like kicks some logs out of them to, you know, spread it some more. Um and that's because like Democrats don't actually put out the fires. Um, our system doesn't actually put out the fires either. It makes them profitable. It's strange. It's a weird process. Because he won't stand up to any form of violence. He's got no problem with right-wing militia, white supremacists, and vigilantes with assault weapons, true. often better armed than the police, true. often in the middle of no, the violence. No, that's not true. That's not true at, at all. At the protesters and aiming I don't, I don't know why the fuck I said that was true, but why... Right-wing militias are nowhere near the militarization level of the police. Like, the police have insane fucking toys. Joe, like, God bless America. Oh, man, like, seriously, this is the this is the, the kind of rhetoric exactly that is just, like, moderates leaving room enough for authoritarianism to just come in. As soon as their four years are done, it just allows anybody to come and abuse the, the powers that are left behind. It's... Oh, God damn it, Joe. I can't. This is... He's a hard sell. There. And because tens of millions of Americans simply don't trust this president to respect their rights, to hear their concerns, or to protect them. It doesn't have to be this way. There it is. And President Obama and I... I didn't went think, away. okay... Again, it didn't have to be this way isn't the necessary, like, we, god damn it. I just keep explaining it, like, it was going to be bad, like, coronavirus was coming regardless. Um, 
Trump's tax policies maybe wouldn't have been here if we had a different president, but like it was gonna be bad, but it didn't have to be this bad. I mean, nothing much was changed from Ferguson or or uh, Michael Brown, you know. So why would that not just get worse? So. Um, we're just seeing inevitable conclusions to constantly throwing band-aids on shotgun wounds, like every time. Um. White House, we had to defend federal property. We did it. We didn't see it. You didn't see us whipping up fears around the deployment of secret federal troops. We just did our job, and the federal property was protected. I like how he see, and that's what I'm saying. This this symbolic speech, like we handled Ferguson, it didn't get this bad, and it, see, that's that's all he that's all he can run on, is like you, if I was president, it wouldn't be quite as bad. It's, it sucks. It sucks. It's a it's a shitty thing to run on. It's lazy, incompetent. It's dumb. Stupid. President Obama and I, I were in office. Stupid. We didn't look at cities as Democratic or Republican run. These are American cities. But Trump doesn't see himself as president for all of America. Frankly, I believe if I were president today, the country would be safer and we'd be seeing a lot less violence. And here's why. Mm -hmm. I have said we must address the issue of racial injustice. I've personally How? spoken to George Floyd's family and to mm -hmm. Jacob Blake's family. Okay. I know their pain, and so do you. See, he's trying to get points because uh, Trump had a bad call with George Floyd's family, and Trump hasn't talked to Jacob Blake's family. So Biden, yet again, barely passing over the goal line here. I know the justice they seek, and so do you. They've told us none of this violence respects or honors George or Jacob. I believe we can bring these, 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 these folks fighting for racial justice to the table. I've worked with police. Again, barely going over the goal line, but I, I kind of believe that Joe Biden would meet with Black Lives Matter organizers or uh, leadership uh, as much, hopefully, as he would police union officers or chiefs or whatever they're, they're called. Because Trump's only been meeting with police union members, and uh, that's a straight slap to the face of anybody who's looking for racial justice at least at this specific moment. So, in this country, for many years, I know most cops are good, decent people. I know how they risk their lives every time they put that shield on. Yeah. See. What a radical! What a radicalist! What a radical left dem anarchist! to say most cops are good and decent people. This guy is crazy. He has obviously been radicalized by the far left and should not be allowed to hold power. Sure. <laughs> and I'm confident I can bring the police to the table as well. Yeah. I'd make sure every mayor and governor had the support they needed from the federal government, but I wouldn't be looking to use the United States military against our own people. If I were president, my language would be less divisive I'd be looking to lower the temperature in this country, not raise it. I feel like the Biden or the Obama administration deployed National Guard to Ferguson, if I'm not. Of course, at the request of 
the governor, but let's just make sure. Didn't Obama deploy National Guard against the protesters at the Dakota Access Pipeline as well? Uh, not cool. Um, from the Guardian in 2015, troops roll into Baltimore as Obama urges U.S. to start soul-searching. <laughs> so here's the military to help you find your soul. <laughs> yeah, about 1,500 U.S. National Guard troops line the streets. Yep. Yep. And I think out of Obama, we got the body cam. Uh, but to be perfectly honest, like, cops just found loopholes around it. So uh, shouts out to Democratic reforms for doing basically nothing. Let's see. Let's see if I can find one more story here. That one really made me giggle bits. I, I giggled real bits on that one. Five times U.S. presidents to play. Oh, this is just a general story. Um, do 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 do. Ooh, Obama sent uh, extra troops to bolster U.S.-Mexican border. I wonder if it was when a caravan of refugees came across. Sounds familiar. Um, yeah, Bush and Obama did send troops to the border. Obama National Guard Standing Rock. Let's make sure here that I'm not just fucking lying up my poop hole. Uh, police and National Guard are basically blocking off an eight mile. So it says in November 21st, 2016, that the police and National Guard are basically blocking off an eight-mile swath of public road for a private oil company. Um, there's no specific article saying that he sent them in, but uh, I see December 2nd, 2016. Oh, they're, they're calling for him to send in. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not finding anything specifically about him sending them in there. So we do have it for Baltimore. Uh, this is a random-ass fucking article. I can't just take blogs. Sorry, bro. Um, uh, North Dakota National Guard was there. Um... Yeah, I guess maybe just the North Dakota National Guard, but Obama was pretty weak on the situation and kind of dicked around. I remember when he um, slowed down the process by saying that there needed to be another review by the Army Corps of Engineers, but like that was literally just before Trump was going to take office, and like who didn't think Trump would reverse that? That was so easy for him to reverse it. In fact, the article's right here. He did it February 7th. That's literally like two weeks after he takes office, if not a week. So, cool. Um, yeah, I was pretty pissed when, when Obama did that. Because I was like, what a fucking picture-perfect moment for him to just go like, I tried. No, you didn't. Um... 
So he definitely did it in Baltimore. But I'm not seeing him doing it for Ferguson, so. He condemned riots back then, so that's good. That's what you do. National, uh, yeah. U.S. National Guard troops were deployed Monday. Yep, so August 19, 2014, around that time, troops were sent in. Oh, that same day, though, National Guard troops deployed as, yep, yep, that's the same thing. So, yep, Trump deployed National Guard troops in both Baltimore and Ferguson, 2014 and 2015. Yep. So, I mean, Obama didn't create a new task force to do it specifically like Trump did, but nonetheless did send U.S. troops in to stop First Amendment. I'd be looking to unite the nation. But look, if Donald Trump wants to ask the question, who will keep you safer as president? Let's answer that question. First, some simple facts. When I was vice president, violent crime fell 15% in this country. We did it without chaos and disorder. And yes, we did it with Democratic mayors in most of the major cities in this country. The murder rate now is up 26% across the nation this year under Donald Trump. Is it up from really this feel year? Safer or is it, under or is Donald it Trump? up from last year? Is it up from when you were president? Like, uh, I don't want to keep saying that they think we're stupid, but if you're going to cite sources, please pretend that we're not stupid and just cite the actual fucking source and actually be specific with your statistics. Otherwise, you're just rambling on it, and it's perfect ammunition for Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, and their like to just take you out of context and perfectly label you as a liar. So please, properly fucking cite your sources. You're, you're, you're running for president. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. Oh, oh. It's just, it's a, it. when you think about it. Dude, damn it. Damn it, Biden. God. One speech. One speech. He could, the, that whole clip is just, it's gonna, is it gonna go viral by tomorrow as far as like right-wing narratives go? Because he had to. He had to, right? He had to jumble it up. <sighs> I don't know if I could take press conferences from him. Like, this would be painstakingly horrible. Like, I guess it's not as bad as Trump just lying, like, 20 times a day, but, like, Biden fucking up four or five. It's just, it's pretty embarrassing. And then, like, he's got to go meet with other world leaders, right? He's got to go talk to them. Ugh. Fuck. More lives this year than any other year for the past 100 years. More than 180,000 lives in just six months. There you go, he got it right. An average. He circled back. About 1,000 people dying every day in the month of August. Do you really feel safer under Donald Trump? Mr. Trump, you wanna talk about fear? Do you know what people are afraid of in America? They're afraid they're going to get COVID. 
They're afraid they're going to get sick and die. And that is in no small part it's because of you. Uh, can we also talk about the massive unemployment and uh, the mass uh, evictions that are about to happen? I don't think people are just scared of COVID. Honestly, me personally, I'm far more terrified of uh, right-wing militants and uh, far right-wing uh, groups than I am COVID, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm fucking terrified of uh, just the, the amount of fervent hate that is growing. Uh, and the constant chatter of civil war that terrifies me much more than COVID. Um, and what also I feel like worries families much more than COVID is losing their home. Uh, there was a very large number, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 10 million people looking at being evicted soon. Um, what are they going to do when they go into homeless shelters with other families, if they have no other options during a pandemic? So, uh, losing their house might be the first part just before they realize they have a higher chance of catching COVID after they lose their house. In fact, you're going to be packing families into more and more houses. Like, we're going to have larger families and smaller houses. So that's not... That's probably not good for a pandemic either, Joe. <sighs> God damn it. It's just like... We needed somebody who's a much more aware on the issues or at least willing to care beyond actually winning. I don't think Joe Biden really cares that much about winning, but he wants to look like he put up a good fight. Maybe. I don't... Is this really the best candidate? Like, him and Trump, is this, like, liter literally the, the best we could get from the top of the barrel? Ugh. We're now on track to more than 200,000 deaths in this country due to COVID. That's true. More than 100,000 seniors have Holy lost their shit. lives to the virus. Holy More shit. cops have died from COVID this year than, than have been killed on patrol. Nearly one in six small businesses is closed in this country today. Do you really feel safer under Trump? What about Trump's plan to destroy the Affordable Care Act? And with it, the protections for pre-existing conditions it impacts more than a hundred million Americans. Does that make you feel safer? Or how about Trump's plan to defund Social Security? All right, now he's finally getting... Social Security Administration's chief actuary just released... This past, like, 30 seconds is all Joe Biden should focus on. Just this. Just, just keep repeating this shit. ...report saying that if a plan like the one Trump is proposing goes into effect... The Social Security Trust Fund would be, and I quote, permanently depleted by the middle of calendar year 2023 with no ability to pay benefits thereafter. Put it plainly, Trump's plan would wipe out Social Security, period. You feel safer and more secure now? Is he going to bring up the post office? The fear that reigns under this president doesn't stop at our shores. The Kremlin has put bounties on the heads of American soldiers. And instead of telling Vladimir Putin that there'll be no putting up with this, that there'll be a heavy price to pay. God damn it. <laughs> it's like he was even trying to put the tough guy thing on him. He was trying to be tough. And yet he's still Joe Biden the fuck out of that. <laughs> hey. They dare touch an American soldier. 
fucking hate this president place, bro. doesn't even but, bring oh up God. the subject in his multiple phone calls with Putin. Been reported that Russian forces just attacked American troops in Syria, injuring our service members. Yeah. Did you hear the president say a single word? Did he lift one finger? Never before has an American president played such a subservient role to a Russian leader. It's not only dangerous, it's humiliating and embarrassing for the rest of the world to see. It weakens us. Wow. Not even American troops can feel safer under Trump. Donald Trump's role as a bystander in his own presidency extends to the economic plan and pain. The plan he doesn't have and the pain being felt by millions of Americans. He said this week, and I quote, He needs to refine his uh, telling off Putin shtick, but he's doing a great job so far, like, and it's 16 minutes in is when he finally hits his stride, which is actually, like, critiquing the exact things that Donald Trump did, which he could have uh, took different routes on, certainly. And I think that's what Joe Biden needs to focus on his his pressure points of you know you could have done differently in a lot of these situations you did not do the best that you could do we have a very strong government that could have done nearly anything if we really all put our minds to it and all our tax dollars um and i think that's what joe biden needs to focus on because his own policies are very vapid they're empty there's nothing in it um it's neoliberal nonsense that I'm not really for, but I feel like um, if we don't move the progressives forward in the Democratic Party, whether it's through Senate voting or city councils and all of this stuff, then you know the progressives are never really going to get a big enough platform to start making more effective change and get a more wider spread of support than Bernie had gotten in 2016 and in 2020. So unfortunately, I think the left needs Biden. And that really hurts to say. And it's mostly because the Democrats left us him. That's that's what we get. That's what we get. So You better vote for me or you're going to have the greatest depression you've ever seen. Does he not understand and see the tens of millions of people who've had to file for unemployment this year so far? The people who won't be able to make next month's rent payment? There it is. The people who lost wages while the cost of groceries have gone up dramatically? President Obama and I stopped the depression in 2009. We yeah. took a bad economy that was falling and turned it around. Yeah, but is Trump it, took. Is it because you stimulated the, the working class? No, man. You and. Uh, Obama continued the same thing that George Bush did uh, with the housing crash, which is just print money and throw it into the economy so that uh, companies can pay off their debts and their uh, expenditures and yet continue to earn the same millions of dollars of bonuses that they earn while also buying back their stocks. The only thing that was more fortunate enough for us in the working class back then is that they did pay a larger portion in um what is it federal income tax uh that was a much higher percentage but there was still 
so many loopholes in the taxes not to even mention all the tax havens offshore accounts like um the the the, the wealthy in this country under trump are figuring out how to um what is the word for it extract as much wealth as they can and then hoard it and trump's the best president for that because he just keeps dropping taxes so low like i would not be surprised if the death tax the uh, estate tax is completely abolished underneath trump i uh while i don't even think that's the most important um it's been the most controversial since i think it was implemented so <sighs> breaking it down Biden would increase taxes for businesses, but businesses may be seeing a lot of um, decrease in consumer output, mainly because we're going to be dealing with, uh, you know, COVID for a little bit longer. We're also going to be having to deal with climate change affecting a lot of different situations, whether it's food shortages or the like. Um, I don't know if we're on the verge of world war. I wouldn't say tensions are getting any better. So I could see consumer confidence dropping pretty low, and that's why the taxes need to be very low, because then businesses don't lose that much money and can continue paying their millions of dollars of bonuses. <sighs> and then I also saw recently, too, that uh, social media and the like whole Silicon Valley, their... Uh, their market share value is larger than all of Europe's. So we've definitely moved into the data and information market in the United States. Nowhere near anything towards um, manufacturing, which used to be the old form of production. Um, that's just so automated and easy now. I don't think that labor is necessary, but I don't think data and information need as much labor either so we're going to see um not even just consumer confidence going down but just consumer wealth mainly working class wealth is going to uh, be depleted in the future and i think that's why andrew yang was talking about ubi uh, to kind of counterbalance the uh, shortfallings in the working class income i mean the middle class is going to suffer as well but um if they can find niches into the new data and information market however long the gig economy lasts because it seems like that's going on automation as well um joe biden honestly uh too simple for me and it's it's hard to vote for him because i don't think he is the leader to tackle complex modern issues um, his administration might but i still believe it's going to be fairly neoliberalist with a lot of corporations still you know having their uh, former employees finding cabinet spots because Obama didn't. Why wouldn't Biden? All right, so it's all dog shit. Cool. Took a good economy and drove it back into the ditch. Through his failure to get COVID under control, his failure to pull together the leaders in Congress, his failure to deliver real relief to working people, has made our country economic situation so much worse, so much worse than it had to be. There it is. When we talk about safety and security. We should talk about basic security of being able to look your child in the eye and tell them everything's going to be OK. Don't worry, honey, we're not going to lose our home. We're going to be able to put food on the table. It's going to be OK. 
It's the job of the president. I've laid out an agenda for economic recovery that will restore a sense of security for working families. We won't just build things back the way they were before. We're going to build them back better. Yeah. With good-paying jobs. We'll fucking build our nation's roads, bridges, solar arrays, windmills. With investments in our health care and child care workers so they get the pay and dignity they deserve while easing the financial burdens on millions of families. With a clean energy strategy that is a place for the energy workers right here in western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I so I was... I, I, you know, it's been confirmed now that this is a symbolic speech and it's a symbolically populist speech. He's trying to... Um, woo the moderate middle class who's, you know, honestly you're part of the the working class but also at the same time trying to woo those moderate lower income working class um, I don't think it's enough to stir the progressives, mainly because it's all middle of the road shit but um, yeah, it's a symbolic yet again of I'm not Donald Trump when um, we're gonna need a candidate in four years after this, that's gonna be that's gonna need to be a lot more than I'm not Donald Trump. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. I am not banning fracking. What a radical no matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. This future, the future, that's what this is all about. You know, we hear Donald Trump's self-centered rants and riffs, but the voice of Americans should be heard. The one you should listen to is Julia Jackson, the mother of Jacob Blake. Hers is a voice of courage, character, and wisdom. Looking at the damage that has been done in her city, she said, quote, the violence and destruction doesn't reflect my son or my family. These are the words of a mom, a mother, whose son had just been shot seven times in front of his children, badly injured, paralyzed, perhaps permanently. And even as she seeks justice for her son, she's pleading for an end to the violence and for this nation to heal. She said she was praying for her son. Then she said something to me that, that surprised me. She said she was praying for all police officers. She said she was already been praying for America even before her son was shot. <laughs> She's publicly asked all of us to examine our hearts. Citizens, elected officials, the police, all of us. And then she said this, quote, we need healing more than anything that's what we need to do as a nation we need to heal the current president wants you to live in fear he i know this is not the time but he keeps saying heal when we know he is a band-aid to a shotgun wound <laughs> like he is um let's see let's see He's not even a prosthetic to an to an amputee. He's he's literally just kind of the blood transfusion to an amputee who's lost a ton of blood. 
but you still need to close up the wound and then also give him a prosthetic to, to fix it. Uh, Joe Biden's just the transfusion. We need more. We need more. Advertises himself as a figure of order. He isn't. And he's not been part of the solution thus far. He's part of the problem. The True. problem that I, as president, will give you my all resolve to stop. I'll deal with the virus. I'll deal with the economic crisis. And I'll work to bring equality and opportunity to everyone. We've arrived at a moment in this campaign we all knew, including the press in front of me, knew we'd get to. The moment when Donald Trump would be so desperate, he'd do anything to hold on to power. Donald Trump has been a toxic presence in our nation for four years, poisoning how we talk to one another, poisoning how we treat one another, poisoning the values this nation has always held dear, poisoning our very democracy. Now, in just a little over 60 days, we have a decision to make. Will we rid ourselves of this toxin? Or will we make a permanent part, we make it a permanent part of our nation's character? You know, as Americans, I'm confident. You know, and it's crazy that, you know, in these times, I don't, you know, I think voting is very important. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't think we truly decide uh, what the outcome is November 3rd. I, 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 Hillary Clinton's candidacy proves that. She won the popular vote. She lost the electoral. And so we're going to need all those prayers that we can get. Uh, oh we believe in honesty and decency. Treating everyone with dignity and respect. Giving everyone a fair shot. Leaving no one behind. Giving hate no safe harbor. And demonizing no one. We up to now always recognize there's something bigger than ourselves as we're about. Trump doesn't seem to believe in any of that. Look, I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. America's an idea. Nice. It's the most powerful idea in the history of the world. And okay. I believe it beats in the hearts of the people of this country. Yeah. All men and women are created equal. Mm -hmm. And they deserve to be treated equally. Mm-hmm. Trump has sought to remake this nation in his image. Selfish, angry, dark, and divisive. This is not who we are. At her best, America has always been. And if I have anything to do with it, we'll be again generous, confident, an optimistic nation, full of hope and resolve. Donald Trump is determined to instill fear in America. That's what his entire campaign for the president has come down to, fear. But I believe Americans are stronger than that. I believe we'll be guided by the words of Pope John Paul II, words drawn from the scriptures. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Fear never builds the future, but hope does. And building the future as America does, what we've always done. In fact, it's what we have done best and continue to do best. 
This is the United States of America. There's not a single thing beyond our capacity when we decide to do it together. Hmm. So let's get together. It's fascinating. This is uh, Biden trying to refute the idea that the DNC was all like uh, pessimistic, which the uh, the right clinged on to. But I mean, they're still going to paint this speech as that because it's like, oh, what? You think America's not good enough? You think we could do better? Well, fuck you, Joe. And it's... Honestly, I don't know why he would spend so much time trying to appease, like, the, the, the right wing. It's The moderate vote was such a waste of time, dude. Like, he needed to get as many Zoomers and progressives as he could and, like, really hype up the idea of a, a, a real movement of change, positivity, enthusiasm. Um, but this, 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 this appeal to moderates, uh, snooze fest, bro. It's, 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 it's basic and... Um, Again, it just seems lazy. It's it's a, it's such a softball to tr to Trump, because Trump's completely playing to the uh, the the far right of his base, and yet somehow is still able to capture so many quote unquote Republicans. Hmm. Joe Biden, the lackluster of twenty twenty when we needed a blockbuster. Together, I want to thank you all. May God bless you. And may God protect our troops. Alright. He's trying. I guess. As much as it's unimpressive, he's trying to show up every once in a while. Alright, well, that was... I don't know what's more depressing, a Joe Biden speech or a Trump speech. Because it's just like, Trump's just like that pull to the to the dark side and then Trump's just or Biden's just that tug to the ah oh, this is not enough side it's it's exhausting oh man I think I got a little too toxic on this one um, please join me for another episode of get depressed with me I've been your host Cucker Snarlson um, I don't know uh, dislike and unsubscribe um, find an old lady and give her 20 bucks I don't know. I don't. I don't know how people end these things. Um, I guess it's just with a hearty thank you and um, stay radical, even if that means uh, right-wing people are gonna hate you for it. Otherwise, we just give up the game.